Joining me now here on the Motorcycle Men podcast, uh, all the way from uh, Europe in uh, Toronto, you said? That's correct. All right. Dave Mass with the uh, Life on Two Wheels blog. Hello, David, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Ted. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad you are here. How are things up there in uh, Toronto? Uh, you know what? The, um, the weather is... Uh... I, I suppose it's the global, global warming that some people don't want to admit is happening. But uh, <laughs> okay. I, you know, I lived my whole life in Montreal, moved here in April, and normally, you know, we'd be up to our knees in snow if we're in Montreal. And here, it was pouring buckets all day. So, well, I guess that's a little blessing in disguise, I suppose. Well, that was one of the things I was counting on when I moved here. I thought, you know, I'm going to get to do some winter riding. So, <laughs> I have I have never been to uh, Toronto, and in relation to uh, the northern coast of the united states i'm not really quite sure where that is it's a, is that in in ontario yeah it's right uh, right uh it's pretty much uh, uh due north uh, from buffalo right oh, across okay. lake ontario all righty then uh and that's and that's a big lake so it's a little bit yeah. like the ocean you can't see buffalo when you stand in uh, toronto <laughs> nobody wants to see buffalo anyway <laughs> so tell us about yourself uh and you're in toronto obviously and what you ride and how long you've been riding uh, I started riding. Well, I, I wanted to ride actually when I was uh, when I was a kid. When I was in uh, actually in uh, high school, I was going to this private uh, high school in uh, Montreal where I lived all my life. And uh, uh, the older kids, there was a kind of a college. It went all the way up through college. And uh, the older kids had um, uh, Vespas and Lambrettas and uh, stuff like that. And uh, on our on our morning breaks and uh, after having a, a bite to eat, we'd go and hang out and salivate over the uh, over the Vespas and the uh, Lambrettas and I really really wanted one but uh, you know I mean they're death machines right so my mother my grandmother you know the women in my life was uh, was not even negotiable right it was don't even think about it and I had a cousin who um, I had a cousin who was the, the, the black sheep of the family and he had a uh, Triumph uh, Bonneville oh okay and uh, he, he took me when I was about 10 years old he uh, convinced my mother that I could uh, hop on the back. This is before anybody wore helmets. And uh, we kind of cruised up and down his street and back. And I think my mother was apoplectic the whole time that was happening. So um, what happened to me is that um, in 2008, I was in uh, uh, Victoria, uh, British Columbia, which is as far west as you can go in Canada. And I was there for a conference. I was there on a Sunday. I had nothing to do on the Sunday afternoon, and I, uh, I across the street from the hotel, a very famous hotel, uh, there was uh, uh, Victoria's a harbor, and there was a kind of a breakwater, and, and just behind the breakwater, the seawall there, uh, there was a, a place that was renting electric uh, scooters. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to rent one of these electric scooters, and I'm going to go and uh, do a self-guided tour of Victoria. And uh, so I started asking the guy questions, and I said, well, how far can I go on one of these? Because I wanted to go up the coast. And he says, oh, he says, when I explained it to him, he says, oh, no, they're no good for that. He says, it's only, you know, a couple of blocks downtown, and they run out of juice, and that's all you can do with them. He says, but go see my buddy uh, down, the, uh, down the boardwalk there. He's got gasoline scooters. So I go over, and I take a look at this, and he was renting out, um, you know, 50cc um, uh, Honda Jazz or something scooters, right? 
And to me, they looked massive. And I and I, I looked at this and I thought to myself, I had that little little angel sitting on my shoulder screaming at me, get the hell back to your hotel room. So I go back to my hotel room and I get out my briefcase and I figure, okay, I'm going to work. And I look out the window and I see all these people renting scooters. And I, the devil on my other shoulder was saying, come on, what's the matter with you? Take a chance, you know, <laughs> do something for once in your life, right? So I, I kind of forced myself, I, I dragged myself across the street and I forced myself to put my credit card down. And I, I thought, you know, I'm going to come back to Montreal, a paraplegic. I'll have a scooter accident. My wife will, you know, it'll, it'll be hell for the rest of my days, right? And uh, what happened was not that. Um, Thankfully. The guy, well, the guy looked at me, and he, and he I guess I, I looked a little old and a little suspicious. And uh, he says, uh, do you ride? So I said, yeah, bike, a bicycle. <laughs> so that didn't quite satisfy him. So he says, well... He says, get on a scooter. He says, right over there, about 50 feet out, make a U-turn, come back to me, right? And so I managed to do that without dropping a scooter. So he looked at me, shrugged, he says, yeah, you're good. <laughs> and then I spent the whole afternoon, I mean, I, I went very, very far, as far as I could, could, kind of up the coast until I was getting lost. I had one of those tourist maps. I was on the edge of it. I, it there was no scale. I was trying to get to these botanical gardens that are world famous. And so I'm sitting in this uh, residential neighborhood, and, I, and, I, and I'm looking at my stupid little map, and this drop-dead gorgeous woman uh, pulls up next to me on a, on a racing bike, and she's head-to-toe, multicolored spandex, and, and she looks down at me because, she, you know, on her racing bike, she's like, you know, 10 inches higher than I am on my manly scooter, and she says, uh, can I help you? She assumed I was lost. And I said, no, I, I said, I'm just trying to figure out how to get to Bouchard Gardens. And she looked at me, and in the most dismissive tone, right, she, she was really hot. She looks at me, and she says, you'll never get there on that thing, she says, and she takes off. <laughs> and I could just feel my ego deflating like a, like a, like a tired old balloon, you know. Uh, but I had a blast. I had so much fun. And then my wife and I that fall went to Paris. And that was an eye-opener because I saw everybody in Paris is on two wheels, mostly scooters. And you had, uh, you know, you'd, you'd be walking down the street in the business uh, section and some executive, gray-haired executive come out in a three-piece suit and, uh, you know, bungee his uh, briefcase to the back of, uh, of a BMW scooter and uh, off he'd go, you know. And I thought to myself, geez, I could do that, you know. What's the big deal with that? It took me oh, nine yeah. months to convince my wife that it, it wouldn't be a case for divorce. <laughs> my kids weren't happy with me. Nobody was happy with me. And uh, I went out and I rented a... Um, I rented a 50cc Vespa, tested a commuting route, got soaking wet in October. It was October 31st weekend. And I, every, anybody else would have been, like, completely put off, and I was ecstatic. I, I bought a secondhand uh, 150cc Vespa the next spring, and I started riding. That was 2010. Oh, okay. And I commuted, and I commuted until I retired last year. And oh, I learned one heck of a lot about... Uh, about um, about riding because I didn't know anything and um, I I had learned a lot from blogs and so on because commuting is a completely different uh, proposition oh, from let's absolutely. say fair weather riding right like right. if you do fair weather riding you know you go out when it's fair and you come back an hour an hour and a half later and it's still fair and you're okay mm -hmm. when you commute you get up in the morning and it's a gorgeous day and then at the end of your day, like 10 hours later, when it's time to come home, it could be pouring rain. Right. 
And so you got to be you got to be equipped for that and so on. Yeah. So uh, and then you know and I didn't when you're putting down that kind of mileage because it was a lot of a lot of miles it was like uh, uh, let me see now it was about sixty kilometers a day you know back and forth wow. and so on, about an hour long commute and uh, when you're riding that much I mean you know the odds of coming off your bike multiply mm-hmm. and so I insisted on uh, on wearing full gear so I'd wear you know proper armored armored clothing from head to toe, uh, full face, uh, full face helmet and so on. Which is something you and don't ordinarily see, uh, when somebody's riding a scooter. You don't ordinarily see that. And even my wife at one point said to me, I don't understand why you're wearing all this stuff. And I thought, well, you're the one who was worried about me killing myself. You know, this will, this will preserve me. Right. And, um, uh, not that many people ride with full gear. No, and you know you'd see a lot of these. Uh, most of the uh, scooter riders in Montreal were kind of millennial professionals, right. uh, living kind of not that far from downtown, and they didn't want to go through the hassle of getting a motorcycle permit. So they they're riding these fifty cc scooters. So they'd be in like you know like Italian suits and, and fancy clothes and pointy shoes and stuff like that. And that's no recipe for when you're going to come off your bike. No, uh, it wouldn't be. You know, it's funny. Yeah. In, in certain areas of the country you might be ridiculed for wearing full armor while riding a scooter well except except that the thing you know when i started out i was commuting on the surface streets right i wouldn't go anywhere and i thought i'll never never in my life will i ride on, on an expressway and it was very very scenic going along the lakeshore and along a canal it was just beautiful beautiful riding i was learning a lot about the city uh but eventually you know at the end of the day you think to yourself well i'll try the expressway right yeah get home faster and, uh 150 cc vespa uh, they're very, very efficient machines. So um, on, on the flat, right? Especially if if you draft if you draft a semi. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I'm, I'm not kidding. Uh, I mean, you you could do 60, 61, 62, 63 miles an hour, right? Right. I mean, you come off at that speed. It doesn't matter that you're not on a Harley. <laughs> I know. It doesn't matter that you're not on a Beamer, right? <laughs> So, uh, you know, I mean, it's still a risky it's, a, it's still a risky endeavor, but. Um, uh, I, I felt at least I was doing what I could do. Well, you've you've and, been bitten by the bug, which is the two wheel bug, and you've yeah. experienced that. Once you had that taste, right away you knew that. Well, I got to do this, you know. And that's well, you know, I I never. It was a life changer, to be honest. I mean, oh, uh, genuinely, genuinely a, a life uh, a life changer. I got so much pleasure out of it, and I did so much research on blogs and. Uh, there's something called uh, modernvespa.com, which is uh, an incredible worldwide uh, forum for people who are really, really bitten by uh, Vespas. And I learned so much. And I thought, you know, uh, when I was starting uh, about uh, three weeks before I was uh, set to start my commute, I thought, you know, I should pay this back, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, there's a lot to learn. I mean, you know, you strategies for riding in full gear, but you got to get to the office and you got to be in a, in a suit and so on, right? So, mm-hmm. um there's all types of stuff that uh, comes into play. You know, what's good rain gear? What isn't? You know, you need two types, three types of gloves. I mean, there's all types of minutia, right? And um, so I thought I'll start a blog myself. And I figured nobody would pay attention, right? Because uh, you're out on the internet and, you know, I figured nobody would read it. Somebody might stumble on it. And what happened is that there's a small community of motobloggers. You know, there's probably, I don't know, I've never counted, but maybe 50, 60 motorcycle blogs. Um, you know, in Canada and the U.S., a handful in in the U.K. or maybe Australia. I mean, re- it's a really small community. Mm-hmm. And eventually somebody stumbles on your blog, mm-hmm. and then one thing leads to another, right? So 
Uh, I ended up developing some really, really good friendships with uh, people, with bloggers, mostly motorcycle bloggers, uh, for the most part, some scooter bloggers um, all over North America. And I have uh, very, very good friends. I mean, uh, um, there's a fellow we'll discuss later on, Bob Leong from Vancouver. And uh, about a year after I, no, two years, in 2012, the fall of 2012, I was visiting my sister in, uh, in Toronto. And uh, over a long weekend, and the phone rings, and it was my daughter in Montreal, and she was a little bit worried, and she says, uh, uh, Dad, this strange guy called, I think he said his name was Bob Leong, and he was looking for you. I gave him your cell phone number. I hope that wasn't a mistake. And uh, it was the first time Bob had tried to get in touch with me. So I said to her, I said, no, 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 it's okay. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. So uh, about uh, five minutes later, my phone rings. And it's uh, it's this guy, Bob Leong. And he says, Dave, 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 uh, I understand you're at your sister's. He says, listen, um, uh, he says, you're, you're going to come to uh, you're going to come to uh, Vancouver because I had a conference in, in the spring. And he says, I tell you what, he says, we're, we're you know, uh, I said, well, I want to get get together for coffee or something. You know, I figured I would meet another blogger. Yeah, sure. And he says, uh, he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, uh, he says, listen, when you come, he says, uh, my friend's a, a, a Kimco dealer. He says, I got a bike for you. It won't cost you anything. You'll get a bike. He says, uh, uh, what do you want? He says, I can get you a, like a, a 250cc Kimco or something. I said, you know, that's fine. It's, you know, that's fantastic, right? So I, I ended up going to this conference in, in, uh, in Vancouver, and I, I, I get off the plane. I get in a cab with a colleague. We go to this motorcycle dealership. I pick up this scooter, absolutely free, nothing. Drive it. I made a deal with the Hilton, uh, with the Fairmont Hotel in uh, in Vancouver. They let me park it for free in the underground garage. Wow! And then Bob um, <laughs> Bob gets in touch with me at about four o'clock in the afternoon. He says, "Dave, Dave, Dave, are you free?" So I said, uh, "Yeah, yeah, Bob." He says, "Well, here's how to get to my house." He says, "The traffic is terrible. Just get on your bike and and come to my house, and I'll look after the rest." And we rode around Vancouver till past midnight. Uh, went back to the hotel the next morning at six o'clock. My cell phone, uh, I get a text message. Yup, yup. <laughs> uh, we got to get going. We got a lot to see. Oh, a little eager, and is he? <laughs> we put 250, 250 kilometers on the on the, <laughs> on those bikes. Wow. Uh, and uh, I met people with whom I'm very, very friendly, including this uh, woman, Sonia Major, who uh, at the time was living with her husband. They're they're German. They were living in uh, in Vancouver. They're now living. They moved back to Germany. And uh, they're v- I'm very, very friendly with them. And as a matter of fact, uh, Sonia and I co-own uh, this Honda Honda 750 that I've got uh, downstairs as well. Wow. So it, re- it really changed my life. Uh, you know, the thing is, I, here in New Jersey, where, uh, where we're located at, there is not really a big, obvious uh, scooter community here. And in fact, I can honestly tell you, I know nothing about the scooter community except that they're out there. And you had started this. I came across your blog, uh, well, because I was looking for blogs to read and, and to learn more about other uh, communities that are out there riding motorcycles and whatever. And I came across yours, and I thought, well, yeah, let me start reading this. I found it very interesting that this is what you do. You're a scooter guy. I said, all right, well, <laughs> tell us about uh, your blog, Life on Two Wheels. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so, so, so I, I told you that part of the story. So, um, I, so I go out to the West coast and I, and I meet fellow bloggers, right. There was a fellow, uh, Dave Dixon, 
who had been very influential uh, for me, and uh, Bob Leong had been very influential. And then he introduces me to Sonia Major and her husband. And we and we did this 250-kilometer uh, 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 crazy ride all around pretty much all the sites there are to see in Vancouver. On 250cc um, on, on scooters. Uh, yeah, well, Bob Bob never had a well. He had a scooter, but he had graduated years before. To uh, at that time, he was he was riding a Suzuki V-Strom. Oh dear. Okay. Um, and um, and uh, but Sonia and Roland both had uh, identical uh, 250cc scooters. And Dave Dixon was also a Vespa guy, and he had just recently upgraded to a 250cc Vespa. And I mean, people don't realize, you know, they look at the Vespas and they think they're toys or they think they're mopeds, right? But I mean, uh, a 250 or a 300cc Vespa. Um, I mean, when I when I tour on that thing, right, it, it'll do 75, 80, 80 miles wow. an hour. Wow! Yeah, you see, nobody would ever think that. Yeah, yeah, all day long, right? And and the thing is that they're very very comfortable because the uh, as a matter of fact, when I, I did this huge tour with uh, with Bob Leong and um, and another another blogger in in 2013, and uh, Bob and I had uh, Senna headsets in our helmets. So we're constantly in constant communication, chatting yeah. along, right? And we're we're stuck in traffic in Hartford, Connecticut, and it's like it's like ridiculous. It's like ninety five degrees, one hundred and ten percent humidity. I mean, it's just crazy, crazy, crazy. Right. Rush hour traffic, bumper to bumper, and you're sitting in you're sitting in full gear, and you're just dripping, right? Just absolutely dripping. Mm-hmm. And and Bob is complaining the whole time. He says, you know, Dave. He says, you're lucky, Dave. He says you're sitting on that you're sitting on that scooter and your scooter's an automatic, Dave. He says, my my uh, he was driving a, he was riding his uh, BMW R R twelve hundred R, and he says you know he says uh, he says uh, my my first gear, Dave. It's not like a car. He says you let the clutch out, you can't walk that thing. Eh? He says you, you constantly have to feather the clutch, and he's bitching and complaining. Right? He says my he says I'm stuck on the pegs, Dave. I can't move my feet around, Dave. He says I've got to be on the pegs because I got to be able to shift. And he said, I'm constantly feathering the clutch and the whole thing. And I I was just laughing and making fun of him, right? Because on the Vespa, you don't have those problems. No, you don't. <laughs> and you can move your feet back and forth. You can move around on the saddle. I mean, it's it's almost like a, like a luxury vehicle. You know, it's funny because my I have, I should say, I have ridden scooters before. Have you ever been to Bermuda? Uh, no, I haven't. We're, my wife and I are not uh, island vacation. Well, I'll uh, tell you people. what. Bermuda is, if you want to go someplace that uh, specializes in um, mopeds and uh, scooters, that's the place you want to be because right. everybody rides it. So whenever I've gone there, my wife and I, we would rent a, a scooter. And yeah, I always had a blast, which, which it was a lot of fun. And, well, you need a death wish, though. <laughs> yeah, but, well, too much sand on the roads, right? No, no, no. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> uh, it's just driving on the other side of the road, which is a little odd. Uh, right, and right. so I've only had a, a few chances to ride uh, scooters, and it's it's an interesting experience. One of the things I can't get used to is you're turning, you know, you're turning handlebars and everything's still facing forward. So that, that was one. Uh, yeah, kind of. It, <laughs> right. it depends. It depends on the scooter. Yeah. So now it, you're you're in Toronto and you're in Montreal yep. for a while. Is there a big scooter community up there? Uh, I, I mean, big, I mean, big is hard to quantify, right? Okay. Um, I, I would say it's sizable and, and, and Vespa has a kind of a little bit of a, a snob thing going for it there. I mean, they're very expensive, right? If you, if you go into a, a Vespa dealership today and you're looking for the large frame 300, uh, Vespa, uh, now they come, <clears throat> they come with uh, ABS and, uh, 
all types of foolishness, right? I mean, you, you don't walk out of there for under about nine, nine and a half thousand dollars. Wow. So, yeah, so they're expensive bikes. I mean, you, you can go into a Honda dealer and you can get a pretty, pretty fancy Honda motorcycle uh, for uh, less than less than you'll spend on a Vespa. So they're no, they're very expensive. It. So they they tend to you know there's a certain crowd that rides Vespas. It's not uh, mm-hmm. you know there aren't that many beaters around. People take good care of them and so on. Uh, I did the uh, distinguished gentleman's ride in um, last fall. And there were about 300. There are about 300 motorcycles, and they're mostly motorcycles. They they like to attract right. the kind of the, the classic uh, cafe racer style, uh, Beamers, Ducatis, and and so on. Right? They right. look down their nose at uh, <laughs> they look down their nose especially at Harleys. It's like if oh my god, yes. You know, if, an Indian maybe an Indian's okay if you know if it's really yeah. shined up and it's got the you know you're looking like a British gentleman or something on it. But well, it's, it's got to be a classic bike. It's got to be uh, old. Yeah, it's got to be right. a classic bike. Yeah. Or a classic. Right. So uh, I deliberately, when I applied to uh, to ride in that thing, you know, they had no problem. They have no problem with the Vespas. I would say there was right. about five or six or seven large frame Vespas uh, mm-hmm. amongst the 300 bikes that uh, participated. Right. And as a matter of fact, I saved a guy who had a, a brand new, brand new Indian. And we happened to be parked together in the staging area. And I, and I look, and everyone's dressed up, you know, like they got the handlebar mustaches and, you know, we're all dressed up like uh, turn of the century dandies. And I, and also I'm kind of looking at his bike, admiring his bike. And the guy's got a drywall screw coming out of his back wheel. Wow. And uh, so I said, uh, did you know you got a screw in your, like, you picked up a screw in your your wheel, right? And, he, oh, my God, the guy, I, I think he was a fairly new rider, and he was really, really beside himself. So, and a couple of other riders come over, and they're all kind of looking at the screw. And she said, I don't know, you know, what we're going to do with this and so on. So I open up the, uh, I open up the uh, the under under saddle compartment on my Vespa. I haul out my, my tool roll, right? I got a full uh, complement of tools. I've got a compressor. I've got... I've got a I, I've got a plugging kit in there, right? Because you don't want to get stuck anywhere. Right. And so I asked the guy. I said, "Are are, they, are your tires tubeless, or you got tubes?" And and he couldn't answer the question. <laughs> he didn't know uh-huh. the answer. Wow, that's not and very then, promising. You had, had people saying, "Oh, I think they're I think they're tubeless," and then somebody else was saying, "No, it's a vintage bike, man. He's got a there are tubes in there, right? Because as soon as there's a tube, forget plugging the yeah. uh, the tire." So. Um, uh, I, I, I checked his tire pressure and he was down about uh, five or six pounds. So I, I pumped him up. He was very, very impressed, very thankful. And then we checked his tire pressure again about half an hour later and he was still okay. So I said, I'll ride with you and I'll keep an eye on your back tire. And if it, uh, you know, yeah. starting to look sad, we'll pull over and we'll pump you back up. So you, you may have yourself a business there, Vespa motorcycle repair on the spot. <laughs> It could be like you could be like AAA almost. <laughs> you know, I rescued I rescued a uh, I, I've rescued some cars with my sc- oh, with my scooter. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Who is that masked man on the Vespa? <laughs> the guy, the guy who's got a because I've got a um, it's a brand name. It's called Moto Pumps. Okay, and they're really really good little compressors. All right, and so you can you you pump up a an SUV if you need to. Really. So yeah, I mean, yeah. and that just plugs right into into a nine volt, which you have on your bike, right? On the Vespa, yeah, yeah. Right? I've got I've got you know dual power outlets. I've got a direct to the battery SAE plug. I got all those. So which which model Vespa do you have? It's a GTS uh, three hundred Super. GPS. G- GTS. GTS. Gran, Gran Turismo. Uh, eight hundred Super. 
300. Yeah, if it was an 800, it'd be from a different story. 300 super. <laughs> I'm going to check that out. I want to see what that's all about. Uh, Toronto or Montreal isn't one of the first places you think of when you think when scooters come to mind. So how what's does how first, does what's the first place you think of? Uh, Southern California, perhaps Florida. <laughs> you know, how does that impact your riding with the weather? Uh, well, actually, you know, the Vespa is also very good because you're a little bit more protected, right? Because it's like a fully fared bike, right? Sure. You you've yeah. got the leg shield kind of protecting you. And you put a windshield on because, uh, you know, you, you got to be crazy to ride without a windshield because the, uh, the air pressure, you know, when you're, when you're running on the highway, the air pressure gets to be a little bit tiring, right? Right. And, um, so, uh, and, and plus, you know, Vespas have, uh, <laughs> something that my friend Sonia in Germany, she, when I, when she saw that I had one, she says, oh, those are pensioner blankets. She says, we call those pensioner blankets in, uh, in uh, Germany. So, um, the, uh, the Vespa is, um, is liquid cooled, right? So it's got radiators and the radiators are in the leg shield. And, uh, so the, uh, there's a company in Italy, uh, called Tucano Urbano. Okay. And they make, uh, when, when you go to Europe, pretty much everybody in the fall, uh, has got a, um, uh, a kind of, a an enclosure on their, on their scooter, even on motorcycles, they, they have like these, um, uh, canvas enclosures. It's not canvas, but it's, you know, right. some kind okay. of, uh, and, uh, anyway, with the Vespa, it, it seals to the leg shield and it encloses the radiators. No kidding. So when it's really cold out, like if it's like, I rode from, uh, I rode my Vespa from, uh, Montreal to Toronto on March 30th of, uh, 2016. Yeah. It has to be a little, little chilly during that time of year. Yeah. It was a little nippy. Like the temperature was, you know, it was well. I'm thinking Celsius. It was zero plus one, and you okay. know minus one in that range, right? Yeah. So it pre- pretty freaking cold when you're when you're riding on a, on a highway at a 80 miles an hour. And that's when you and, guys that's um, when you guys go from short sleeve shirts to long sleeve shirts. Right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, I, I was wearing half the clothes I own actually to stay warm on that trip. But I, I've got heated grips on that thing, and I and I've got you know a tall windshield, and I've got this this apron that that kind of goes to your waist and the temperature in there is like balmy it's like 75 80 no degrees kidding. yeah 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 people don't know these things right so no no we don't it's uh it's amazing so with you know with heated grips and and, and uh, a wide windscreen so it covers you know it provides wind protection off your hands yeah and with this with this uh, lap apron I mean, this the, the lap of luxury, literally. So uh, I, I wasn't suffering at all when I, I rode from uh, Montreal to Toronto. Well, I'm looking at your bike now on the Vespa website, and uh, it's actually it's a it's a good looking little scooter. And yeah, I, I, and it's not so little, you know. It's quite. Um, it's, yeah, I see uh, that. It's larger. It's it looks little, but it's uh, it's actually uh, you know it's it's about three hundred and three hundred fifty pounds, I guess. Okay. Now, do you have the windshield on yours? Yeah. You got the windshield, and do you have the the rack with the back. Uh, yeah. You do, yeah. So, so you got so well, you, trunk. I've got I've got a trunk in the back. Oh, so you got the deluxe touring model. Yeah, yeah. Thing, so it's right? like it's like a station wagon, basically. <laughs> okay, I guess it could be comparison to any one of the big Harleys, then, right? Pretty much. Uh, well, no, it's not that big, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm being facetious, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's it's a little bit bigger than a than a Sportster, though. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh it's taller and it's longer than a Sportster. But it's probably more expensive than a Sportster. Uh, no, probably about the same price. They're not giving Harleys away, right? No, not really. No, not, <laughs> not, not last time I checked. Because if they were, I'd be there. Um, so now, now, but now, as far as it goes for foul weather, though, 
uh do you continue riding snow sleet rain you're you're no, out I mean, there you can't you gotta be you gotta be crazy to ride in the snow there's a guy in pennsylvania another blogger steve williams he's very very well known and uh he rides in the winter uh, he's also come off his scooter. <laughs> he's also come off his scooter in the snow. Right. And uh, it's not a lot of fun coming off a bike, you know? Yeah, I, I just didn't know what your what your cutoff was because you are in Canada, what your cutoff was with your riding. Well, I think uh, in Montreal, you didn't have a choice because um, uh, the province of Quebec uh, imposes uh, snow, tire, uh, snow tires from uh, oh, okay. de- December 15 through uh, April 15. And uh, through uh, March 15, I'm sorry. And so last, uh, not last year, the pre- the previous fall, the weather was actually not that bad. Okay. And it was, I'll never forget, it was December 15th, and I had still like Christmas shopping to do. And I was, were, I was going running errands with my wife. And, and I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the Vespa to, to, to do my errands this afternoon. Everything's going to be good. And we get to an intersection and there's a police car. And he stopped a, a couple on a Ducati. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I wonder what they did. And all of a sudden, it, all of a sudden it occurred to me, oh, geez, it's December 15th, right? Um, the snow tire rule. You can't have a motor vehicle without uh, snow tires. Even if it's dry out? Yeah. No, it doesn't can't. matter. December 15th, it's an automatic ticket if you don't have snow tires. And if you're a motorcycle, it's pretty much a gimme for the cops, right? Yeah. So, um but the, but the, the truth of the matter is that you can get snow tires for uh, for uh, powered two wheelers, right? right. Uh, um, they make them in they make them in Europe because there's an issue there's an issue of uh, of traction, right? When the when the when the temperature gets to like the freezing point, um, the, you need a different compound. You need a softer compound, which uh, winter tires have versus mm-hmm. all seasons or whatever. Right. So they do make a a winter snow tire for. Uh, uh, for motorcycles and scooters, uh, Hyde now makes them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but go explain to a cop <laughs> that you've got snow tires <laughs> on your power two-wheeler. I, I, I figure you, you'll be eventually explaining it to a judge if you want to <laughs> take the time off, right? No one's going to believe you. So. All right. Now, how many miles per year do you put on your Vespa? Uh, I, I want to say about 5,000 kilometers, whatever that works out to in uh, miles. So that's what, like 4,000 miles roughly. Uh, 5,000 kilometers you put on there? Yeah. Wow. Just Are you going to do the math? Then? I am. <laughs> yeah, it's good. The math is called Google. Uh, so you're averaging about just a little over 3,000 miles per year. Uh, yeah, and, I would say wow. so. Wow. And that's on your Vespa alone. Well, yeah, because you're commuting, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Like day in, day out, like th- throughout the riding season. So from, uh, let's say, uh, minimum uh, April through November, right? And you're you're doing that five days a week, and you're, uh, you're putting on, let's say, at least uh, – at least 20 miles, about 20 miles each way. Wow. Okay. So about 40 miles yeah. uh, times five, that's 200 miles a uh, 200 miles a week. Mm-hmm. And then times that riding season, I mean, the miles go on uh, without any difficulty at all. All right. How's your gas mileage on that thing? Uh, gas mileage runs about, uh, I'm trying to remember now, because I, I don't really particularly care. <laughs> um, Why would you, right? <laughs> Uh, but I think it's about like 68 miles to the gallon or something. So you basically fill it up once a week. Um, yeah, roughly once a week. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's not too bad. Now with your, uh, 5,000 miles a year, is that just not you know, 5,000 miles a year, 3,000 miles per year? That is, that is just your commuting miles. That doesn't include any of the other miles you, that you do. Right. Already. Right. Because, uh, you know, there's all the, the foolishness miles, right? Oh, yeah, like, well, <laughs> well, tell me about those foolishness miles. 
Well, foolish smiles are, uh, for instance, uh, I, I was working in, a, in an office uh, downtown, and there's all types of interesting things. I, I used to, you know, take walks, and then we had a there's a bike share pro, uh, program uh, in Montreal that they actually sold to uh, New York and uh, I think Portland and uh, Washington. They right. have the same uh, bike share program. So for for a year before I got the scooter, I, I was getting on these uh, rental bikes. And I, 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 my radius just expanded. I was all over the city kind of going to see stuff and finding interesting places to grab a bite to eat and so on. When I, when I got the scooter, I mean, as soon as, uh, as soon as it was legitimate lunchtime, I would just go downstairs and I'd hop on my bike and I'd be gone, right? I mean, uh, there, there was, uh, you know, in, I'd take a two-hour lunch and uh, I had all types of adventures you, on my lunch uh, hours. So. You take a two-hour lunch? I'm a lawyer, you know. Oh, oh, it's all Okay. I was going to say, I want to work where you work. I wish I could get a two-hour lunch. Uh, <laughs> now, do you see a lot of other people commuting uh, via Vespa or scooters? Uh, in Montreal, there were there were some, not a lot, not a lot of people commuting on motorcycles either. It was a fairly uh, oh, a fairly small thing. It was a, it's a small community. I mean, it's not like Europe. Europe, I would say maybe thirty or forty percent wow. of the people in Paris or London. Um, or Barcelona commute um, on two wheels. Right. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, there is a, a in California they allow lane uh, lane splitting. Right. right. They do. Yes. And uh, it, it wasn't legal, but in California it was kind of tolerated. And that, I think now they've uh, they've changed the highway code, so it's now legal in uh, California. But in France, uh, they they split lanes too. So when you go when you get in the cab and you go from the airport uh, into Paris. Mm -hmm. Right. There's five. You've got a three lane expressway and there's five lanes of traffic because you've, you've got motorcycles and scooters on the on the line, on the white right, lines. Right. Wow. Traveling about, you know, five or six miles an hour faster than the uh, than the traffic <laughs> surrounding traffic. And I, that blew me away. That was the first time I ever saw that. I saw that it must Paris. be insane. It must be crazy. You'd think so. But yeah. I mean. I mean, they, 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 there's an awareness. There's a much greater awareness in Europe uh, with re respect to motorcycles and scooters, and there's a lot more uh, cooperation uh, between, uh, let's say, cars and motorcycles in Europe than anything we know here. Oh. It, it's it's a completely completely different culture. Right. Um, but in in France, at one point, about, about three years ago. Uh, the powers that be thought, you know, enough of this lane splitting foolishness and so on. So they were they were going to adopt an explicit uh, change to their highway code in France to prohibit lane splitting, right? Yeah, good luck. And there was a there was a protest in Paris. You can find the videos on YouTube. Something like five hundred thousand motorcyclists clogged the expressways in Paris, riding along at two miles an hour and honking their horns and stuff like this. They brought the city to an absolute standstill to protest this. And the government, the next day, the government said, okay, okay, peace. Uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's, it's, a, it's a completely, completely different world there because the, the congestion, the, the motor vehicle congestion is, is, is so bad I can't uh, that, you know, to try and like to try to commute by car. Right. In Paris is, is almost unthinkable. Right. And so the, something like the Vespa is the ideal thing. The Vespa that you have, is that is that that's is that's not the top of the line model though, is it? Oh it is, yeah. It is. It is the yeah, it yeah. is the big one. I I know nothing about Vespas because I'm just looking on the website now. <laughs> so I think you know, I'm going looking at these, I'm going like, they're cool. I could do one of those. 
I told you it's it's a very dangerous thing because you get on one of these things. And I swear <laughs> to you, you, you got to go to modernvespa.com first, and you got to you got to take a look at the. I would say the average, you know, the average age of motorcyclists in uh, in uh, in North America is like 48, 49, right. maybe 50 something, right? right. And uh, so the 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 modern Vespa forum, which is for Vespa enthusiasts, I swear to God, half to two to two thirds of the people on that forum also have motorcycles. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I can't and, see myself giving up my Harley for one of these, but maybe a supplement. I tell you, it's, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous proposition. <laughs> you got to think three times before you do that, because uh, you have to be a closet Vespa guy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That sounds kind of scary. Actually. I'm thinking it is it scary. Now, I'm right? telling yeah. you, it's, it's fraught with all types of social risk. <laughs> Tell me about some of the tours you've done on your Vespa. All right. So the longest, uh, the, the longest, uh, the longest tour I did was with uh, Bob Leong and another blogger from Kingston, uh, Karen McQuillan. And uh, Karen's, uh, Karen's a school teacher. Mm-hmm. And as soon as school breaks in the, uh, in the summer, uh, she hops on her bike. She's got a, um, she's got a, a Yamaha V-Star 650, I think. Oh, okay. My brother had that. Yeah, so she hops on that bike and she just takes off and she goes all over. I mean, you know, she'll go down to, uh, you know, the deep south and then kind of motor across to California and mm-hmm. come back up through Oregon. And I mean, she's all over the place okay. uh, during the summer. And uh, and Bob Leong, you know, was doing a fair amount of touring out in the West Coast. And he had called me at my at, uh, at one point and he says, uh, Dave, he says, I got to get to the Atlantic. <laughs> and he says, so next summer, he says, I, I, I'm, I'm taking a big tour. I'm getting on my bike. He had just bought the Beamer at that point. He said, I'm getting on my bike, and uh, and uh, I'm going to pick up Karen in uh, Kingston, and uh, we're going to come through Montreal. We'll pick you up, and uh, we'll go out to the coast, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do a tour of the, the, the Maritimes. And uh, But he says, uh, at the time, I had a 150cc Vespa. He says, but your Vespa is no good for that, Dave. You won't be able to keep up. So he says, but go get a 300cc Vespa. And you'll have no trouble keeping up with us. So uh, I, that was uh, kind of the gambit. Mm-hmm. So I went out and I uh, I sold my uh, I sold my first Vespa. I bought the second Vespa mm-hmm. for Bob, and uh, I got it I got it all equipped. I got all ready for touring, and I bought camping equipment you know that I didn't have, and I borrowed what I couldn't buy, and so. But Bob lied. I, he <laughs> he never he never picked me up in Montreal. Neither did Karen. Um, as the plans kind of got more concrete, uh, we agreed to meet in uh, State College, Pennsylvania. Ah, so, been there, yes. So State College, Pennsylvania is uh, it's a famous football town, right? Yep. But it's uh, yeah. it's the University of Pennsylvania, and it's about uh, it's about a three or four hour ride due south from Toronto. Mm-hmm. So uh, and the idea was to meet other bloggers. So I took off from Montreal and I, I, I had a blogger to meet in Cornwall, just to east of Montreal, and another blogger, um, uh, Harley guy, in uh, in Ottawa that I wanted to meet. And then from there I went to Toronto, mm-hmm. hung around in Toronto for a while. And uh, Bob had a um, a spot messenger on his uh, on his bike, so he had given us the uh, the web address. And so we could track his progress as he was coming from, you know, he was going through the States down from Vancouver and he was kind of making his way. And he went to like, uh, uh, he went to, to visit the, you know, the Wild Bill Hickok Museum in, right. in Cody. And, you know, he, he saw 
basically all the motorcycle sites you have to see. He went to Mount Rushmore, and I mean, he was, so he's coming across. And uh, so we finally we met up in uh, in State College, and um, I spent a, a day kind of in, st in State College. I had a problem with my fuel injector. There's a there's a, a well-known motorsports dealer in State College. They swapped out a fuel injector from a brand new Vespa, so I could keep going on that tour. And then we went down to Hartford, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And then from Hartford, we went out basically to the coast and made our way up through, ultimately up to Maine, met up with some people in Portland, Maine. And I was still working at that time, so I kind of timed out. And uh, I did a, a kind of a solo trip from uh, Portland, Maine, back up to Montreal. I was a little bit worried there at the end because I was going through, um, it was duskish. And I'm, I'm riding through like state parks and it's pretty wild. And, mm -hmm. you know, I started to see the, you know, the, the groundhogs starting to hang around the, uh, the gravel portion <laughs> of the shoulder wondering, I think it's safe to cross now, Fred. What do you think, right? <laughs> And I'm thinking I don't want to hit a deer or anything like that. So I was a little bit nervous until I got kind of to more populated areas. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Karen and uh, Bob, they continued their tour. They went out to the Maritime Provinces, did a whole, uh, you know, for about a week and a half, went all around through the Maritimes and showed up at my place in Montreal. And uh, I hosted them at, at my place for a couple of days and uh, uh, went riding with uh, with Bob around uh, around Montreal, showed them the sights and stuff. So. That was a blast. I think that was that trip all by itself. I think it was three thousand miles, or no kidding, something like that. Now, yeah. were you comfortable that entire? Now you did this whole thing on your Vespa. Yeah, and you were comfortable that entire time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, I was comfortable. As a matter of fact, you know, when we left, because I I, I didn't know. I thought I was going to have trouble keeping up, and I I didn't want to hold these people back, right? Bob had a twelve hundred cc Beamer. She had a six fifty Yamaha Cruiser, right? And I thought, geez, I don't want to hold these people up. I don't want to be like the embarrassment, right? So when we pulled, we pulled out of uh, Hartford on the on the interstate, and there's kind of a long downhill run there. And I thought, you know, well, I'll, I'll we'll make some good time here, right? So right. I kind of opened up the throttle, and um, I, uh, you know, I had that that Senna headset with Bob, and it starts to crackle, and mm -hmm. eventually I, I I lose touch with them. I can still see their headlights in my rearview mirrors. <laughs> And after a while, I can't see their headlights anymore. I mean, I had really outdistanced them. I, I was doing about a, I, I estimated I was doing about 85 miles an hour, right? So it was and, screaming. Wow. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I mean, it sounds crazy, but I mean, really it's not. So I started getting worried. I thought, well, what if they pulled off? Like, I have no way of knowing. I, I'm outside a range. I, I, I don't know, right? So I start slowing down. I'm looking in my mirrors like, where the hell are they, right? I slow down, I slow down, I'm doing like, you know, 50, mile, 50 miles an hour on the interstate and people are passing me in the left-hand lane. I go, where the hell's Bob and Garrett? And finally, I see in my rearview mirrors, I see I see the two motorcycles coming up, right? And uh, so they're coming and coming and finally the, the frequency opens up again on the on the headset. And I said, uh, I said, Jesus, I was worried. I thought maybe you guys turned off or I missed a turn or something like that because Karen was the one navigating this vacation. So uh, Bob says, you know, Dave, he says, uh, Karen doesn't like to go much faster than five miles over the speed limit. So she was a little bit freaked out that you took off like that. <laughs> so <laughs> so he says, as long he says, you know, if you keep it at, at, at 65, he said, Karen won't go faster than 65, Dave. You got to, you know. Yeah. So I kind of fell into formation and that was it. There were, there were no issues after that. You know, it just. Uh... How much fuel did you go through on that trip? I can't remember. I, I was. Ref I think we we're refueling twice a day. 
Wow, that's great. Wow. Wow. Yeah, because the, the range, uh, and, and I thought my range wouldn't be that great, but you know, the range on, on my Honda 750 yeah. is about the same as the range on my Vespa. No kidding. So, oh, so the Honda's got a, a larger tank, right? It's got like a 13 or 14 gallon tank. Not about 13, 14 um, gallons, maybe. No, 13 or 14 liters. Liter. Okay, so you're probably around five. Yeah, yeah about four, five, five. Gallons, four or five gallons. Yeah, four or five, yeah, gallons, four or five yeah. gallons, something like that. Whereas the Vespa is a, basically a two gallon tank. Basically, a little bit more than a two-gallon tank. Um, but the Honda burns more gas. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? And so the, the Vespa is more efficient. Oh, of course. So you end up with about the same range. Oh, okay. Works out. Right. Have, you ever, have you ever thought of moving up to a big twin? Um, you know, I, I was curious. <laughs> I, I, I was curious uh, because I, I had only ridden a motorcycle once much, much earlier for like an afternoon. For a, not even an afternoon, for an hour or something like that, uh, with this guy. It was I, at the time I had a moped, and he, he was fascinated with my moped. And he, he had a, a small displacement Yamaha or something, 150 cc or something like that. And he yeah. said, "Well, you ride my Yamaha, and I'll ride your moped." And so, okay, fine. So that that was the extent of my experience. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the you know the Honda, I was curious, you know, what's it like to shift? Because I always had shifty cars, right? I yeah. my uh, I, I had a uh, I had a, a Mazda Miata that I had bought. My wife said it was midlife crisis red. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I've been driving standard all my life, right? So I figured, well, it's just a motorcycle. So it's just a, you know, your hands on the clutch instead of your foot, and your sure. foot's on the gear shift instead of your hand. I mean, what's the big deal, right? right. And um, so, um, but I didn't care enough to really want to buy a motorcycle. So, and it would have been a tough sell anyway, you know, with my wife. So then Sonia gets in touch with me out of the blue and she says, you know, she had moved back to Germany and she says, you know, I, I, I want to do some touring on the East Coast. Uh, and she says, but renting a motorcycle is too expensive for like a two or three or four week tour. Right. So I, I'd like to buy a motorcycle um, and keep it in North America somewhere. But she says, I, I, I don't know. It seems complicated. I don't know. How do, what do you do with registration, insurance and stuff like that? Right. I'm living in Germany, blah, 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 blah. So and she knew I was a lawyer. So she was kind of asking me, I guess, for advice. So I started thinking about it. And I and I, I said, well, let me let me give it some thought and I'll get back to you. So I was thinking about it. And I thought, if you co-owned a motorcycle, it might make it doable. Right. So um, I the, the first stop was uh, insurance. So I called my insurance broker and I said, listen, there's a crazy story for you. I got a friend in Germany. She, she we're thinking of co-owning a motorcycle. Does that work? Can she be insured, fully insured on it? Can I register it in her name and blah, blah, blah. And the guy says, uh, so I tell him this whole story. He says, uh, yeah, he says, OK. So I said, well, you know, you want me to call you back in two or three weeks? Because I figured this is going to be yeah. a real head scratcher, right? Right. So he says, no, no, no. He says, you don't understand. He says, it's fine. He says, yeah, sure, it works. Oh, okay. So I said, well, how, how do you know? He says, well, we do this all the time. Okay. I said, you you do co-ownership, like like international co-ownership of motorcycles all the time? He says, no, this would be the first motorcycle. Right. But he says, we do motorhomes, and we do uh, sailboats, and we do powerboats, and we do jet skis, and all types of stuff. Uh, because there are people, let's say there's you know a person in uh, in France, and they have a motorhome, and they have a friend in uh, Utah, and they have a motorhome, right. and they want to do like motorhome trades so that you know the the, the French guy oh, can see, tour yeah. and right. Yeah. So, yeah. but insurance, you know, like like it's one thing to borrow a car for an afternoon. Yeah. 
but to borrow a motorhome for like three weeks or four, mm. you know, like you don't want to have insurance issues and yeah. stuff like this. So he says, we do this all the time. So he says, the motorcycle is not a problem. So I said, well, we're thinking of a Honda 750, which in my mind was a huge bike, right? And uh, so I figured it's going to be expensive. So I said, what's the premium going to be? Oh, he says, um, 50 bucks. <laughs> so I said, I said, 50 bucks. I said, you want to check maybe? I mean, you know, get back to, oh, okay. So, okay, I'll check. So, so he comes back to me, he leaves me a voicemail message about three, four days later. He says, yeah, he says, I made a mistake about the premium. He says, it's only going to be 25. <laughs> so I said wow. to him, I said, how's that possible? In, in what world is that possible, right? Yeah. He says, uh, okay. He says, I'll explain it to you. He says, uh, your Vespa is a motorcycle. I said, okay. He says, uh, how many motorcycle uh, riders are there in your, licensed riders are there in your household? I said, one. He says, okay, how many motorcycles can you ride at one time? I said, one. He says, well, there you go. He says, it increases the risk by like 25 bucks. No big deal. And he says, Sonia is going to be an occasional rider, right? So I said, yeah, because she's in Germany. She's only going to come here maybe once a year. So he says, well, there you have it. He says, it's not, a, not an issue, not a problem. Wow. What insurance and, company was this? Uh, we were with a company called Premium. I mean, it's, it's Canadian market. Oh, right? okay. Right. Different insurers from the. I mean, we have some U.S. insurers up here, but yeah. uh, and and we have we have uh, no fault insurance in pretty much all the Canadian provinces, so that oh, okay. kind of alters the mix as well. Yes, yeah, so here in the U.S., it's everybody's fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, and then everybody gets to go to court. Right. So much time, right. So um, I, I I I decided then and there. I thought you know because uh, it was a theoretical issue that Sonia was asking me about. So I called her back and I said, listen, uh, I, I, I a it's not a problem. And B, I don't mind co-owning the bike with you. And uh, so we we wrote up a co-ownership agreement and we split all the costs 50-50. Mm -hmm. And uh, the deal is when Sonia gets uh, fed up with, uh, with uh, touring in North America, she's had her fill. Uh, we'll sell the bike or I'll buy her out or whatever the heck, right? Yeah. So for the time being, that's the story of... Uh, me and motorcycles, but uh, I have a very good friend in um, in um, Ottawa, and he got uh, he, he was a Vespa guy two three years ago, mm -hmm. and he uh, it's a gateway drug, right? So uh, he and his wife now have matching uh, BMW uh, GSs. Wow, that's quite a move. And, uh, so I think it, I think if there was a, another motorcycle in my life, it'd probably be a BMW GS. Well, you think big, right? Well, you know, they're not, it's not, not such a big bike. Right? Well, I mean, you know, big go big or go home, they say, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're incredible bikes, right? Yeah, they have, are. Uh, they have well, bum warmers and handlebar, yeah. you know, they have uh, hand grip warmers and well, all that, types of bells and whistles. No, they, nobody has come out. Well, there are adventure scooters right now. Is that something you've ever considered? Uh, I don't know what an adventure scooter is. Well, basically take an adventure bike. And then marry it to a scooter, and what you have is an adventure scooter. I believe Honda has has one out now. I am totally totally serious. Uh, is that something you've ever considered doing? You're laughing, so I have to assume no. No, I think if I was if I was going to ride a motorcycle, it'd be a genuine motorcycle. Uh, okay, I don't think I want some kind of a Frankenstein uh, device, you know. Yeah. But I mean, uh, but that may be the way that uh, that all these things go, right? I mean, yeah. uh, I think you're referring to a Honda NC700 or something. Right. It's got an automatic or a semi-automatic transmission, right. and 
It's it's like my wife's uh, BMW uh, SUV. You know, like you, all you do is press buttons, and you have seventeen German engineers in the trunk. You know, keeping you out of trouble. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, hey, uh, tell us about Scooter Bob. So Scooter Bob is Bob Leong. So uh, what happened is that uh, Bob had two passions in his life. One was uh, motorcycle touring, and the other one was his uh, Corvette. And he was a member of the uh, of the Corvette Club out in the West Coast. And when he wasn't on his motorcycle, he was in his Corvette. Mm-hmm. And that was really uh, a big deal for him. And he and his wife uh, would uh, do Corvette tours with the Corvette Club. Okay. And in 2014, um, uh, Bob, Bob was threatening to, to drag Karen and I down to Key West at one point. Key West is on, a beautiful thing. On our, on our bikes, right? And uh, then Bob uh, said, well, you know what? There, there was this huge um, Corvette celebration in um, wherever the hell they make Corvettes in Tennessee or Kentucky or uh, I can't remember where it is. Anyway, the, there's the, the GM plant that manufactures uh, Corvettes is down there. Okay. And it was like the 50th anniversary of the Corvette or something like that. And uh, so uh, Bob and his, uh, his Corvette club friends in, um, in Vancouver rented a... Um, um, one of those uh, semis that uh, that, that uh, carries uh, cars, you know, for oh, really? and stuff. Wow! And they uh, they loaded all their vets onto this uh, rig, and it was an enclosed rig, you know, it was mm-hmm. all completely enclosed. And uh, so the uh, the rig uh, drove their cars down to New Jersey, no Pennsylvania, somewhere. Okay. And uh, so Bob and his wife uh, and the other members of the Corvette Club. Uh, um, flew down to uh, wherever it was, I think it was Pennsylvania, and then they all, there were, there were Corvette clubs converging, thousands of Corvettes con- converging on the plant for this uh, celebration thing, mm-hmm. and uh, so they all got in their Corvettes, and they did this cavalcade down to the, uh, the plant, mm-hmm. and uh, Bob had his uh, spot messenger with him, mm-hmm. and so you could kind of, you know, those of us who had the, the spot address, uh, could uh, go and keep tabs kind of on where Bob and his wife were. Mm-hmm. And um, the um, his uh, spot mes- messenger kind of stopped in um, Nashville. And um, so Karen called me, Ka- Karen that we, uh, that we did the 2013 tour with. She called me on a Sunday night. She says, you know, I, 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 I'm a little bit concerned about Bob. I haven't heard from him. And... Um, so I said, well, it's probably nothing. It's probably a spot messenger battery died or, or something or his subscription expired or something like that. You know, I, I wouldn't be too worried about it. So I, I, texted, uh, I texted him because I, uh, Bob was a cheap guy, so he probably turned off, you know, Canadian plans in the mm-hmm. U.S. Uh, for cell phones, outrageously expensive. So I said, listen, he probably turned off his cell phone and stuff like that. You know, no cause for concern. And, um, but he wasn't, uh, he was pretty good about answering my texts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I emailed him. I wasn't getting any response. And so I put a, I put a, a post on my blog, and it said, uh, uh, where, where is Bob Leon? Right? Uh, some of us are concerned. We haven't heard from him. Where is Bob Leon? And I put that up like on a, on a Monday night or something. And on the Tuesday morning, I get up to get ready for work, and it was like 6 o'clock in the morning. And I got an email from a Corvette Club member in B.C., and he says, uh, Bob died two weeks ago. Wow. Went to went to sleep, died in his sleep, and that was the end of Bob Leon. 
No kidding. That's a shame. And it, uh, it really, really shook people up because, I mean, Bob was a very, very gregarious guy. And he had more, more, more motorcyclists following, following his blogs than probably any other blogger. I mean, they were from all over, from Europe, and, uh, he had, and he had met so many of them. I mean, the guy was really uh, uh, kind of an icon, mm. uh, a riding icon. And um, uh, there was just this outpouring of grief. And people were, were kind of casting around for a... Um, uh, some kind of a memorial, you know, what to do for Bob. And uh, earlier that year, in like July or August, um, Michael Beatty, who's a, a motorcycle blogger in Key West, uh, happened because he escapes Key West because it's too bloody hot in the summer. So he and his wife and his dog, they piled into the car and they, they came north and they, they, spent, uh, they spent some time with my wife and I in Montreal. Okay. And um, at one point, Bob Leong had given me a whole bunch of scooter swag, and he gave me this wooden motor scooter that I had sitting in my home office. And um, so Michael Beatty, they were getting ready to you know, leave, uh, pursuing their vacation. And all of a sudden, it occurred to me, I said, wait, 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 don't go. So I go running up to my office. I grabbed this crappy little wooden motor scooter, and I gave it to Michael Beatty. And I said, uh, because Bob was planning a, uh, a tour down to uh, Key West. So I thought, you know, this will be a great joke on Bob that his little wooden motor scooter, he'll show up in Key West, and for sure he was going to drop in on Michael, and he would see that his this wooden motor scooter beat him to Key West, right? It was a little bit of a joke. Right. So um, so then Bob passed away, so then Michael wrote to me, and he says, well, I guess I'll return this to you. And I said, no, 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 don't return it to me. I said, uh, do me a favor, because if Bob had gone to Key West, he would have gone to the southernmost point. There's a big... Uh, a big marker. Yeah, and keep I know exactly where it is. So, uh, so I said, uh, hop on your bike. Uh, Michael rides a uh, uh, Bonneville, and I said, go down to the uh, the southernmost point. Take a picture of uh, this wooden motor scooter and yourself down at the southernmost point. And then when you're when you're done that, if you don't mind, put it in a box and ship it off to Sonia in Germany. And that's how this this thing started. And and we let people know that that we had this goofy plan. And so all of Bob's blogger buddies, or most of them, signed up for this. Mm -hmm. And this little wooden motor scooter that was kind of a, uh, a kind of a, a tribute to uh, Bob Leong because he had owned this little wooden piece of crap. And um, so people uh, took it on a tour as if it were Bob, like they, where they would have taken Bob had Bob showed up, you know, in uh, in let's say uh, at, at uh, uh, Sonia's place in the Black Forest, and then. She took it, you know, out to France and a, a bunch of different places, and then she sent it to another blogger in uh, in Australia, mm -hmm. and uh, two or three bloggers in Australia took it all around. And uh, uh, one of those guys was a racer; uh, he'd race motorcycles as a hobby, and so the the wooden motor scooter did like a, a crazy breakneck course around uh, <laughs> around a motorcycle race course down there, dragging the knees and all this stuff. And then it went to New Zealand. From New Zealand, it went to the UK. Uh, from the UK, it took a trip into France. Uh, then it uh, came back uh, up to the US, landed in Florida. Now, around the same time, uh, the uh, modern Vespa forum, there was uh, one of the Vespa riders, Vespa enthusiasts, is uh, a NASA guy. And he had started, and, and this is what gave me the idea, he had started this thing with a, a NASA Snoopy doll. Apparently, like the there's a, there's a mascot for NASA, and it's a it's a Snoopy, uh -huh. a peanut Snoopy, right. in a space helmet. 
And uh, he sent this thing on a, on a tour of modern Vespa people, and, and it had gone all around the world. And at one point, the, uh, the, the Scooter Bob Scooter and the NASA Snoopy Dog were, were both in the city of London at about the same time, but they, they kind of didn't get to meet. Oh, wow. Um, the a curious thing happened. There's this guy, Bill Luthold, who's a, who's a Vespa guy and an architect in uh, Jacksonville. And the, uh, by a curious coincidence, he ended up both with the Snoopy and with Scooter Bob at the same time. And uh, Snoopy was returning to NASA. And because it's part of an exhibit, if you, if you go, uh, if you, apparently, if you go to uh, NASA in, um, in uh, Cape Canaveral, right. That that Snoopy scooter thing, because everyone signed the helmet and it picked up all types of swag along the way, is in a display at NASA. Wow. And and it's possible that that Snoopy doll had had gone up in uh, in one of in one of the either in the shuttle or I think it, I think it had been to space. So uh, those two traveling things kind of met uh, in uh, in Florida, and then Scooter Bob continued its trip. So right now it's in Alaska. Really? And uh, with uh, with a motorcycle, uh, a guy who uh, is a, a Ural uh, motorcycle enthusiast, because you need a motorcycle with a sidecar, he rides year-round in uh, Fairbanks, Alaska. Oh. And uh, so he said he's going to take Scooter Bob up the Arctic Circle. There you go. Yeah, so I, I mean, it's a, it's a very, very touching thing. And, um, and I suggested at one point early in uh, Scooter Bob's adventures that uh, people should put a, a memento of of the the time they spent with this little wooden scooter. Um, so people have been putting badges and trinkets and and uh, all types of swag in the box with the scooter. And apparently it's quite a collection now. Um, so when when it uh, uh, I've put myself as last on the list. Uh-huh. So I'm probably going to get it back sometime. Probably I imagine late this summer from from Alaska. It's got to go down to Portland from Portland, uh, Oregon. It's going over to uh, Victoria, British Columbia. From Victoria, it's coming back to uh, to me in Toronto. And uh, I, I think what we're going to do is uh, all of these bloggers, we're going to come up with some kind of a, um, a wrap-up for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's uh, something called Blog to Print where you can um, actually do a very, very fancy, uh, a glossy uh, book out of a blog. And what I'm toying with the uh, with the idea of maybe we'll do um, a glossy uh, kind of a, a coffee table book of all of Scooter Bob's travels and uh, return it to uh, Bob's uh, widow in uh, Vancouver. I think is the plan. So that's a wonderful memorial that you're doing. That's really something. That's really something. We're doing something similar here at the Motorcycle Man Podcast. Uh, I had a uh, a little plush Woody doll from the movie Toy Story. Yeah. Uh, well, I I'm, I made I modified it and made him look like a biker. You know, I cut their brain, <laughs> you know, painted his glasses on him and vest and all that. And uh, I I attached it a a, a road ID to him. You ever heard of road yeah. ID? No. Okay, road ID. It's it's a thing cyclists wear. It's, it's identification. But I attached it to him with the idea that I, since I can't ride around the world, I'm going to send Woody around the world. Uh, right. He he made it uh, to England and he was on his way to Ireland. And then the last I heard, he was on his way to Thailand. But that was two months ago, and I have no idea where Woody is. Well, it takes a it takes a while to ride a a, a bike to Thailand. <laughs> yeah, you should I, know this, Ted. Not, I would imagine it would. I just haven't <laughs> heard her. But that's a wonderful thing that Scooter, that Scooter Bob did all those things. Uh, you have any plans of 
uh, doing any sort of uh, well, you're going to do the book, obviously. You're going to try to do that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Now, has that, how has Scooter Bob made it around the world, or is it just mostly just Europe and just here in the U.S. And he hasn't he hasn't been to Africa, whoa, whoa, whoa. and and he hasn't and he hasn't been to South America. You going to send him down? I'm sure you have blog. I'm sure you have. Uh, uh, I don't think there's there. bloggers down there. You don't think? But but you know, I mean, I I'm really one of the things that fascinates me is long distance long distance riders, right? Right. Um, I I find the long distance the solo the solo guys, and well, sometimes they're they're in a pair, but usually they're solo, right? And there's a there's a British woman. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Ace Cafe. Yes, I have. Okay, so she left the Ace Cafe in London in 2014. Okay. And she uh, went overland. Well, she crossed over to France. Okay. And went overland to India. Okay. Okay. She is, and she was using a small displacement uh, Honda dirt bike, like a Honda 250. Okay. Okay. Uh, she went all the way, uh, all the way down to India. From India, she put her bike on a uh, freighter, and uh, she took the freighter as well. They went off, went off to South America. Mm-hmm. They got to South America. She managed to convince uh, a um, an Antarctic uh, resupply team of scientists. Wow! They loaded her and her bike onto a resupply ship. She went down to Antarctica. They she convinced them to 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 manhandle her. Well, I mean, it's a small Honda, but still, yeah. they they put it in a uh, in a in a launch in a in a boat, rowed it ashore. Unloaded it. She rode her bike in a couple of uh, donuts or something in Antarctica, so she can say that she rode her, her bike in uh-huh. Antarctica. She came back uh, to uh, the tip of South America, and she's doing all this solo. Eh? Uh-huh. Rode all the way up uh, uh, to Colombia. At Colombia, there's something I, I've never heard of this before. There's something called the Darien Gap. I've which heard is, of it. Yes. Completely impassable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's like it's like a, something out of Star Wars. You, you read about it in Wikipedia, and you go, "Really? Something like this exists?" Right? Anyway, so she had to take a boat around the Darien Gap, went all the way up the west coast. Um, she got to uh, Vancouver, and she was having uh, she developed shoulder problems, uh, probably as a result of vibrations from the uh, from the bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, Honda, and she was in so much pain she couldn't continue. Honda got their hands on her bike, uh, modified it extensively to isolate vibrations and stuff like that. She went back, stayed with her mother over the summer in the UK. She just recently returned to Vancouver. She's continuing her trip. So um, when the when the weather lifts, she's going to go across. I think her plan is to go across Canada, out to the East Coast, and then she's headed off to Africa. And she's going to go, she's going to ride all the way up the east coast from Africa to uh, to Israel, I'm guessing, and then she'll take a ferry to Europe, or I don't know what she's planning to do, but she's, I mean, there's war zones out there, right? Yeah. But, I mean, she will eventually, she will have gone to every single continent by the time she's finished. Wow. You know, what, what kind of bike is she doing this on now? Uh, a, Honda, a Honda 250. A Honda 250. Wow. Yeah. It would be more impressive if she was doing it on a Vespa, right? <laughs> well, there's a, there's another fellow, Michael Michael Strauss, and Michael Strauss got uh, uh, a Vespa, same as mine, and he left Cape Town, uh, South Africa, 
and rode all the way up the east coast of Africa to uh, Israel. Took him something like 12 hours to cross the border from Egypt into Israel. Um, left Israel by ferry, went to Sicily, Sicily to uh, uh, Italy, all the way up Italy, all the way through Provence, all the way back down to uh, to uh, Rome or Naples, and uh, put his bike on a on a freighter and sent it back to South Africa. Wow, wow. That's these people, these people blow me away. So in February, I'm going down to Florida, and I'm uh, meeting up with uh, some guys who are long-distance riders. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's something called a scooter cannonball that runs every even year. <laughs> really? And the last one was um, in 2014. The 2014 cannonball was from um, Hyder, Alaska to uh, New Orleans. And they do that. They do that. I think in ten days or wow. or seven days. Or uh, you got to be a little bit crazy. Uh, you got to be a little bit crazy. So I, I, I'm meeting up with two guys who did the uh, scooter cannonball, mm-hmm. and one of them, this fellow Ken Wilson, mm-hmm. um, he's uh, he's done the Cross Egypt Challenge on scooters through the they uh, they 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 leave from Vict- uh, from. Um, uh, whatever the town is on the coast that's uh, escaping my uh, my memory right now, uh, but right on the right on the Mediterranean, they go uh, they make they do a loop through the Sahara, and then they come up through the uh, the Valley of the Temples and uh, they they end up uh, seeing the, the the pyramids and all this stuff. Absolutely incredible. So Ken's done that once or twice. I think he's got two cannonballs under his belt. Mm-hmm. Apparently, on the last cannonball, he had a collision with a bear somewhere in. Uh, Somewhere in British Columbia, I've got to drag that story out of him because it's, it's very cryptic. Uh, but I'm meeting these guys, uh, Ken and uh, Ken and Bill, right. and another fellow, Jim Mandel, in a, in a couple of weeks in Florida, and they're going to take me on a grand tour of uh, of uh, all the motorcycle roads in uh, northern Florida. So. Wow! And you're going to do some moto camping, I understand. Uh, no, that's going to be uh, well. Yeah, that tour in northern Florida, that's going to be in the lap of luxury. We're booked into some very nice inns. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of oyster eating. There's going to be champagne. There's, that's, a, that's a different uh, – there's going to be cognac. There's probably going to be maybe cigars. I don't know. It's well, going to be a fancy a fancy affair. Well, what other kind of major trips you got plans with your Vespa? Uh, right now, I, I want to do some uh, – I, I need to do some camping this coming summer. Yeah. And uh, I'm either going to find a, a victim to go with me or I'm going to do it solo, <laughs> go out to uh, somewhere in Ontario, some provincial park or something, and at least spend uh, overnight in the wilderness. And, uh, uh, you might, might want to avoid using the word victim. <laughs> you love it to scare off some potential. <laughs> when, uh, I put, when I put out the invitation. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Invitation works better. Uh, so what's in store for the Life on Two Wheels blog in the, in the months to come? Uh, I've, I've, I've had some, um, I, I've had a, a family member and a very, very close friend, um, pushing me towards video blogging. Ah. And, uh, and I, I, to be honest, I thought they were crazy and I really, really wasn't, uh, I wasn't planning to do that. Uh, it was very intimidating to me. I don't, I, I don't know that I, I'd be able to master the technical skills to, I mean, podcasts are already complicated things and, uh. Uh, video editing is like podcasting plus another level of insanity over the top. And um, I, anyway, uh, I, I started watching some video blogs for a number of years. I, I've been very, very impressed with some video bloggers. There's a, a young Vietnamese, uh, there's a young Australian woman of uh, Vietnamese origin. She's got something called the Community Channel on YouTube. And at one point she was in the top 10 
uh, YouTubers and uh, a tremendously talented girl, does all her own production work, mm -hmm. incredible. And there's another video blogger that I, I've been following a lot, uh, a fellow in New York, Casey Neistat. And Casey Neistat is like, the guy is um, maybe, maybe one of the most famous uh, YouTubers right now. Um, he, it was estimated last year that, that he earned something like two and a half million bucks from YouTube. Wow. Uh, f yeah, I know. Eh? Yeah, isn't, we're not, that, uh, isn't that amazing? Yeah, we're not doing it right, are we? <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, I, I kind of, they, they started poisoning my mind and I thought, you know, um, uh, professionally, I, my, my, for the last half of my career, I was doing something called corporate governance, uh -huh. uh, basically running boards of directors and all this stuff, right? And it's uh, its its own discipline. And I thought, you know what, maybe I, I could do these like governance lessons, right? You, you can't do a YouTube, um, the mistake most people make is they, they do very, very long YouTube uh, videos, right? And uh, especially the motorcycle ones, you know? <laughs> Yeah. It's like it doesn't matter how good the road is, right? Yeah. Like there's, I was watching one on the, you know, one of the places I'd love to ride is the Stelvio Pass, you know, between uh, between Italy and uh, and Switzerland. Mm, I mean, it's just yeah. absolutely unbelievable, right? And I, so I was watching a YouTube video. These motorcyclists did this uh, Stelvio Pass, uh, and and you know, ultimately, as beautiful as it is, there's only so long you can watch a camera like. Meh. <laughs> right with the, the sound of a motor and all this stuff. I mean, they they, they become crushingly boring. Well, right? you know, so, a, a a recent uh, guest on the show here, uh, Neville Stowe, uh, he's actually another Canadian. He runs a uh, what he calls the Nine Minute Moto Film Festival, and he encourages people to send him nine minute uh, motorcycle videos that people like because he says he was just like you said tired of seeing thirty five minutes of a helmet cam view of the front of a motorcycle going down a road. So now they have this awards program that they do. So it's something you might want to check out. Look into that. Yeah, I got to I got to check that out. So nine minute video. What's the guy's name? Uh, Neville Stowe. Can't be hard to find. Those no, are two uh, relatively yeah. uh, rare. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out for yeah. sure. The nine but minute motorcycle. So, yeah. Uh, you know, the, uh, all the successful YouTubers. You know, their videos are five to max ten minutes long. Right. Exactly. And and and, and it's got to be punchy, right? You can't. You know. Uh, so I started uh, paying attention, and so the you know the the average frame length on on the successful videos is maybe. I don't know, three seconds, four seconds, five seconds is a long time for, to have one thing on the screen, right? So it means that you got to be really uh, good at video editing and then you got to get the audio right. I mean, this is not trivial stuff, right? So, uh, but I think, I, I think I might be able to do it. Oh, good. Okay. Give it a <laughs> I think shot. I might be able to do it. So. Well, let me ask you this. Have you, uh, have you considered doing a scooter vlog? I mean, really, are, have well, you, are where, they... I'm going to start with life on two wheels uh, yeah. because the stakes, the stakes are low. It's not a professional thing. There you go. So if, if I, if I, if it's, if it's complete, uh, an utter disaster, I can walk away from it and deny, <laughs> deny that it ever happened. And you can keep doing uh, the blog um, and no one will know. <laughs> exactly. But if, but if I can make it work, right. Yeah. And I, I'm going to, uh, uh, focus on professional, uh, kind of, governance lessons right okay. so seven to seven to ten minute little snips and when you add them all up it'll be like a, a university level course in uh, corporate governance there you I'm go so look at you advancing and becoming a uh, super professional and in the, getting all into business now right 
<laughs> so anyway, I mean, you know, that's kind of like the, the the crazy plan I hatched. So it's um, it, it requires I have a I have a professional uh, website, so it requires a redesign of the website, and of course. Uh, I have to do all the ho- coding by hand, so uh, I've spent the last three and a half, four weeks, uh, uh, A, learning uh, advanced uh, HTML and coding, and B, by trial and error, uh, re-editing my, uh, my website, and so far, so good. Right. Uh, I, uh, I bought a new domain name for this foolishness. I, uh, I registered a new YouTube channel, so I, I, I still got some bits and pieces. I got, I got to get a, uh, I got to get a, a, an audio recorder so I can, uh, I bought a, uh, a professional, uh, lavalier, uh, lavalier mic, uh, a road. I don't know if you can see it. A yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I have the exact same one. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and uh, it turns out that uh, a good alternative to a, a video recorder is, an, is I'm going to get an iPod that I'm only going to use for uh, audio recording. Really? And Rode has a uh, Rode has a um, has a, an app uh, for uh, iDevices that uh, that okay. allows you to manipulate all of the oh. uh, audio crap. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Well, so so now so we got the Life on Two Wheels blog, and then there's going to be the Life on Two Wheels video blog. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, great. Uh, all right, so tell tell my listeners how they can check you out, uh, Life on Two Wheels, and get in touch with you, uh, read your blog, etc. Right. So it's it's relatively simple, right? A good place to start is the is the blog. Right. So it's uh, it's Life on Two Wheels, but the domain name is Life. The number two wheels.com. So it's relatively life to the number two wheels.com. Great. So it's relatively relatively simple to find. I will put a and link on the website. From there, when the uh, if I if I do a video, if, if I really do a video blog, <laughs> I can guarantee you it'll be linked there. Okay. And uh, the professional part of my life is going to be uh, off my website, which is uh, www.masse.org. And that's my email address too. It's David at mass.org. So you didn't make that too difficult, right? Well, I, I figured it was, uh, well, actually I can't claim responsibility for that. I have a very, very close, super, the smartest person I know actually, um, uh, convinced me I needed a website 10 years ago and, uh, he hosts my, uh, my website, but I write all the code. So he doesn't, he doesn't write code okay. for me. He figures it's beneath him. So, and you do all the writing for your, uh, for your blog for life on two wheels, yeah. correct? Great. I've had some guests. Uh, I've had some a couple of guests uh, guest posts. Bob Leong did a guest post at one point, uh, and uh, Jim Mandel uh, in Florida did, did a, a guest post. And I've got another one to do with Jim. Actually, he's a he's a, a certified Adirondack guide, which is really, really? what his passion is. Wow. And uh, he's um, a very very talented guy. This guy uh, had uh, Jim had um, two owned two advertising agencies. And he he's retired twice, so <laughs> he's, they liked it so much the first time he decided to do it again. Exactly. So he <laughs> he he had this advertising agency, and he decided, you know, I'm going to retire. I'm going to have made enough money. I'm going to retire. I'm going to have fun. So he sold his uh, agency, uh-huh. and then had fun. And then he thought, uh, I think I prefer advertising. So he started a <laughs> he started a second advertising agency, and he since sold that again. He's re-retired. Uh, but he, of all things, I mean, aside from riding a Vespa, Jim uh, teaches uh, blacksmithing, if you can believe it, <laughs> in in, uh, in northern Florida at a state 
park or a national park. Or I don't know what the heck the guy because does. Because there's a big call for blacksmiths these days, right? <laughs> He's probably he probably figured he could make a motorcycle from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, I want to thank you very much for joining me here on the Motorcycle Men podcast. It's been an absolute delight listening to your stories and hearing everything you have to say <laughs> about riding your Vespa in Canada. And, 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 and some around. of it's true, Dave. <laughs> Oh, so, so you only lied a little bit, right? And you are a lawyer, so I I want to thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, I will put links to everything you had mentioned uh, on the website, and, of course, it will be in the show notes as well. And this podcast will be up for everybody to hear uh, later this evening. All right, fantastic. All right, so uh, I want to thank you again very much for being on the Motorcycle Men podcast, and uh, everybody will be checking out the Life on Two Wheels blog. And um, I mean, your listeners, your readership is going to go through the roof now. You watch. Well, you know what? But if it if it crashes Google, uh, they might send a hit team out for us. So. Oh, okay, we'll uh, we'll try to make that not happen. All right, <laughs> all right. So, Dave, thank you very much. All right, hold on. Take care. All right. Yeah. Bye. And thank you very much for listening. That was Dave Mass from the Life on Two Wheels Scooter Podcast. They're out of Connect Canada. Thank you very much for listening. This is episode 69. And remember, if you would like to subscribe to the show and help us out so that we may provide you with more content on our homepage, there is a link and a button you can press that will take you to a subscribe page of Patreon for the Motorcycle Man podcast. Everything you contribute, no matter how small it is, helps. That's how we're able to bring you all these great interviews. Uh, this helps us grow and gives you more for your money. So anything you can help uh, out the podcast with would be wonderful. Uh, all of our subscribers, regardless of the uh, amount you contribute, you will all get uh, a Motorcycle Men sticker. And as we grow, uh, we hope to provide all of our subscribers with T-shirts and all kinds of other swag, depending upon your level. Thank you very much again for listening to Episode 69. Stay tuned. we got more great interviews coming up in the next few days. And, of course, the Motorcycle Men will continue to provide you with top-notch entertainment. Next Tuesday, I'll be back again with the brothers uh, in the studio. But we have uh, two additional interviews coming up between then. So stick around and uh, check us out. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Motorcycle Men Podcast. And remember, you can support the show by going to MotorcycleMen.us and clicking on the link to Patreon. There it will allow you to support the show for as little as $1 per month or $1 per episode. This will help us grow and give you more content. Remember, you can also listen to the podcast on YouTube and also on Stitcher Radio, also iTunes. You can also please check out our Facebook page, which is Motorcycle Men Podcast. Please post pictures. Please tell us about yourself. Tell us about your bikes. Also, we're always really looking for feedback. So please write us a letter at motomenpc at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you and we look forward to your feedback. Thank you very much for listening. Ride safe, people.